Hi, welcome to Taylor Mason Irreversible. I call myself Taylor Mason Irreversible because my name is not reversible. It's Taylor Mason. It's never Mason Taylor. Okay? Today's subject matter is science because I appreciate science and scientists and research and study. It's all very important, even though apparently the USA has fallen so far off the world's science stage, we don't even deserve to be called carbon-based anymore. We've all turned into a useless element like boron, which doesn't do anything. Like the Occupy Wall Street member of the Table of Elements. It's there, you see it, it accomplishes nothing. Um, if you hear background noise, that's because I'm in my cubicle here at Taylor Mason headquarters, and everybody's working around me. Sorry about that. I live in a well-to-do part of New Jersey where the Hummer, that tough guy vehicle that has pushed its way from war in the Middle East into the cul-de-sac on which I live, has become de rigueur for some of the locals. A couple of Fourth of July celebrations ago, some of the locals drove their Hummers in a parade. Actually, the Hummers were the parade. They pushed the floats and marchers out of the way by turning on their windshield wipers and discarded them like dead mosquitoes on the windshield. So, I've always wanted to examine this vehicle, and my neighbor got one. So, I'm walking the dog past his house the other day. I see his Hummer in the driveway, and I kind of nonchalanted my way up to the grill, looked in, and guess what? There was a little environmentalist on a bicycle in there. Now, I'm not saying the Hummer's humongous, but the dog and I trotted about mm, a quarter of a mile to the back of it and peered in one of the back windows. Guess what? No back seats. There's just a big subsistence farm growing organic produce being run by an undocumented worker and his family, so the Hummer's okay by me. Uh, some people call it a climate killer because it uses too much gas and so on, and I suppose, yes, you can make that case, but then again, through the miracle of science and technology, the price of gas has recently plummeted. There are a lot of reasons, of course, for the never-ending strife in the Middle East, the business-slash-profit fight going on between countries and fanatics, but it's also due to a glut of oil that has turned North Dakota into a boom town. That brings me to the Keystone Pipeline a triumph of scientific genius and fracking, not to mention some brilliant business people, and the opportunity of a lifetime. So what's my point? Well, we've come to the part of my podcast matrix where science, business, and politics meet. You got the Keystone Pipeline waiting to happen, but Washington, D.C. thinks it's an environmental boondoggle, as if they've ever accomplished anything worthwhile, but I am here to help. So, the pipeline runs south out of Canada toward Texas. I bring up Texas because that's another part of the incompetent and inept crap that's happening in Washington, D.C. You've got Latin American people throwing their children over the border into the arms of border agents on the U.S. side and our authority figures all along the line. They throw them over the makeshift wall right where Mexico meets the U.S.A., particularly in parts of Texas. Do you see where I'm going? Mr. President, tear down that wall. I say you make the Keystone Pipeline a gusher for oil headed south while using the pipeline as a sort of entrance into the USA for the immigrants streaming in from the south. Think of it as a giant Lincoln Tunnel for oil going one way, immigrants going the other. It's called compromise, folks. In scientific terms, it's like the parasite and the host. Right? I can hear those of you who think I'm making fun of a very important topic, namely clean energy, climate change, global warming, not to mention immigration. Allow me to solve 
the first part, the energy, climate change, and global warming part. Listen, 1798, Thomas Malthus. If you're not familiar, Google him, M-A-L-T-H-I-U-S. He was sort of a social scientist, I guess you could say. He wrote that overpopulation would eventually doom the earth to perpetual poverty. How Nostradamus of him. Because since then, the world population has increased from one to six, now going on seven billion people. That increased population has led to industrialization and pundits, politicians, and scientists while getting large endowments from political action committees and lobbies, have made the case that this caused pollution, hence global warming. The average temperature of the Earth has risen at least, what, two degrees, maybe three? Okay, here comes your science. As things get hotter, they expand. That's a fact. Heat equals expansion. The planet, therefore, will expand. It's always getting larger, right? That means there will always be room for more people. More people, more Earth. It's God's plan. Thank you. By the way, in a related story published by Forbes magazine, I read it online so you know it's got to be all factual, all real, all true. The 85 richest billionaires on the planet have as much wealth between them as the 3.5 billion of the poorest people on Earth. The good news is they can only buy half the votes that those people cast. Hence, the GOP still has a fighting chance to win an election. Okay, I'm the kind of person who depends on science. That's why I'm for nuclear energy. Dangerous, you say? A sure way to doom life as you know it, we scream. Haven't I watched the anti-nuclear Hollywood films, you shout? I don't care. This is science, people. We all use microwaves to, what's the word? Mm. Oh yeah, nuke food. Fine. That's right, we can nuke stuff in our kitchens, but we need those bird-murdering windmills to supply four houses in Oregon with power. Come on, you guys. You know what? The biggest problem is with people who can't pronounce the word. It's nuclear. It is not nuclear. Nuclear is a threat against someone named Larry that people call Lar for short, as in, please move, or we're going to nuclear. Got it? Good. We move on. The truth is, I'm for all of it. Solar energy, great. Wind energy, go for it. But we can get birds to migrate out of the way, I hope, so they don't get beheaded, as if every one of those windmills is some kind of Islamic terrorist on a death to the great Satan Audubon Society flying pigs insanity. How about if we work really hard to get every kind of energy available to the public through private enterprise? And in the meantime, do the Keystone Pipeline, allow the freaking fracking to continue so gas prices stay low and we're not dependent on the Middle East for oil. Oops. Guess what? It's time for my horizontally cross-marketed merchandise tie-in with the corporate invasion of listeners' private thoughts and memories. So guess what I'm selling? Nothing. I'm just doing a podcast. My hope is to be funny. If I'm not funny with these, I hope I'm going to be entertaining. If I'm not entertaining, then I hope I'm giving you good information. And if none of those, well, then I'm just giving you sentences. Put a few of those together and you got a paragraph. Put a bunch of paragraphs together that don't have humor, entertainment quality, or interesting information, and nobody is listening to this podcast. So, time to get back on point. I just found this out. Again, it's on the World Wide Web, so I know it has to be 100% verified. Scientists believe volcanoes are nothing more than a natural phenomenon, like the Earth rotating on its axis or the occasional hurricane of which there haven't been many hitting the USA recently, by the way. Okay, so it's recently been discovered by the staff right here at Taylor Mason headquarters. You can hear them. 
Yeah, there they, there they are. These eruptions by volcanoes are actually caused by a volcano god who requires human sacrifices at regular intervals. Did you know that? So, to make things succinct, I've compiled a little list of volunteers that we need to submit to this deity so the next volcano doesn't blow. Yes, I made that all up. Duh, it's not science, it's just dumb. Everyone knows there isn't a volcano god. That'd be sacrilegious. It's all controlled by some guy in a trailer down in Goshen, Alabama, and I'm working hard to get his name and address, and I'll get it to you as soon as I do. But that's the issue science has to deal with. Stuff gets proposed. It has to be proven or not proven. Then there are facts to deal with and so on. It seems as if the more we know, the less we know. Or the more we don't know, what we don't know, if you know what I mean. I mean, the Internet is a great place to learn about science or study science and find reports and studies and hypotheticals. But then there's the dark side of the web, the anti-science stuff. I saw this little theorem as I was doing my research for the podcast. Scientists in the UK recently treated bald areas on lab rats with estrogen-blocking solutions, trying to find a hair regrowth serum. Their findings? Most of the rats did experience complete fur restoration within a few weeks. The others? They grew their fur really long on one side of the body and then combed it over to make it look like they had hair. Is that weird? It is. Science always hits me in the face when I have to travel to California. Hang on. All of a sudden, I close my door here at the cubicle. When I'm up in what used to be called Silicon Valley, just south of San Francisco, I'm always aware that the Stanford Linear Accelerator is blowing up atoms into quarks and bosons and leptons and fruity pebbles as I meander along El Camino Way. It's like a 65-ton crystal of osmium hexachloride buried 220 feet below the surface of Menlo Park, sucking in all the career energy of the Bay Area and shooting it out down the peninsula at light speed. It's the point in our existence where science meets science fiction, man. So much, let's face it, too much energy. And what's it for? At the Stanford lab, they're busy hunting down magic particles that hold our universe together. One is still unfounded. Am I talking about the top quark? No. I'm talking about duct tape. Where does it come from? And why is it so incredibly sticky, flexible, and useful? Then there's Southern California. SoCal, as some people call it, which answers the very non-scientific question, just how Cal are you? I am SoCal. Anyway, Southern Cali is where the word silicon defies science and moves into a whole new category of its own. Look, I'm not saying the people of, say, Malibu are stupid, but how dumb do you think people in the Golden State are? First, if you lived in an area that periodically suffered devastating, property-destroying brush fires, would you keep building million-dollar homes there? Answer, no. Good. Second, let's say you had a nice beach house, but every year or two, violent storms wash it away, leaving you with a pile of driftwood. Would you A, move, or B, build a new house in the same exact place? Answer, A, of course. Good. Third and last, let's say you live in a place where every once in a while, the earth shakes violently for several seconds, leveling houses, freeways, bridges, destroying property, and sometimes even taking human life. What would you do? Answer, I'd move. Right, you'd move. But what if you didn't? Answer, why wouldn't I? What do you think I am, stupid? Hello?
Look, I'm the last person that should talk about serious subjects in any way. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. It all goes back to career day in high school, which did not help me at all. I wanted to be a ventriloquist or ninja, kind of a ventriloquist slash ninja, actually. And when I said that was the goal, my counselor just stared at me as if my face was melting. When it came to lofty subjects like the one I'm discussing here with you guys, I wasn't in much better shape because, well, here's an example. My science project in high school was a small cage like you'd keep a hamster in. I got some heavy-duty padlock cutters and I created a hole in the top of the cage, peeling back the metal to make it appear like something had broken out. And then I put a big sign on the front of it that said, do not attempt to feed or pet my science project. It is not domesticated and it's very dangerous. My teacher saw it and said, the only future I see for you is as a ventriloquist or a ninja. He gave me an A. All right, thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back soon, probably within a month, with podcast number two. Until then, this is Taylor Mason, Irreversible. <laughs>